Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. My name is Daniel Urquhart. If you don't know, um, thank you for having me today. I want to talk to you today about divine partnership. So it's a little bit um, apt that we would be finishing with a song like that that the Lord would take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it for good. So how does he do that? We're going to talk today about a divine partnership. God doesn't need us, but in his love and his wisdom, he chooses to partner with us. We are, make, we are made part of his redemptive plan. We're going to throw to a clip now, and uh, it's going to show you partly what I mean. My friend has been paralyzed since childhood. He has no hope but you. Please, do for him what you did for the leper. That's a rope! Put it back, man. If you are willing, Rabbi, I know you can do this. your tablet at least. Harry! Is he in danger? I don't know. No, I don't think so. He's got whom in there? Yes. Can you believe we're really here for this? Yes. Down. authority do you teach? Answer me. If you are willing, Rabbi, you know you can't. Hey, I'm talking to you. By whom do you teach? Certainly not the authority of any rabbi from Nazareth. Where did you study? Your faith is beautiful. Son, take heart. Your sins are forgiven. Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Right. But I ask you, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven 
or rise up and walk. It's easy to say anything, no? But to show you, and so that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. I say to you, my son, rise. Pick up your bed and go home. amazing is that when I when I watched that clip I watched it a couple of times it's from the chosen if you if you don't know and you haven't seen it please um google the chosen and and there's I think there's two series anyway that's the first one when I first watched that I really felt as though the Holy Spirit impressed upon me that this is what it is to partner with God did you know that Jesus came to set up a movement he came to to bring the will of God to earth he came to create a body on earth that would enable him to get the job done. Did you know that? And sin and religion and tradition gets in the way of that and makes it way more complicated than it needs to be. We make it way more complicated than it needs to be. Did you know that Jesus came to create a divine partnership between you and him? Let's have a look at what it looks like to be in divine partnership based on the story that we've just seen. First thing is we partner with God in the need. Who knows that without that lady that we saw and her friends, that guy is still a cripple. There had to be an overcoming of some hardships we're going to talk about and some issues that put that person in Jesus' reach. That Jesus looked up and said, your faith is beautiful. That if they didn't intervene in the need, that that guy would still be a cripple. He'd be over it by now because it was a long time ago, but in, you know what I'm getting at. All right. So we play a bigger part than we like to admit in bringing God's restoration, breakthrough and healing. We play a greater part than what we would like to admit. We play a greater part than what we would like to admit in this divine partnership. We partner with God in the need. James 2 says this, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is out clothes or daily food. If one of you says to him, go in peace, be warm and be fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? 
In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. I'll tell a quick story. One of our, um, our pastors, one of our good friends, an absolute champion that is um, Mike Matatai and his family that um, pastor over in Gunnedah. Um, I was speaking to him the other day to get permission to tell this story, but he's been now at our church, I think, for five or six years. But he first came as a visitor because he was in a band and he'd been to many churches around um, maybe Australia, definitely New South Wales, in and out of churches most weekends. And Mike was on his own. And if you know his story, you'll know why, because he came over here from the Congo um, and he was... He could only come over on his own and he couldn't bring his family with him for visa reasons. And so he was over here on his own for four or five years. And he took that need and he took that story everywhere he went. For four or five years, he couldn't get his family over. Do you want to know why? Because of money and because of contacts. But it wasn't until he came to this church that Mick Dormer stepped in and said, what? You haven't been with your family for four or five years. What do you need? I need money and I need contacts. Okay, let's get it done. A couple of months later, I don't know how long, six months later, his family was here. Somebody had to step in. Somebody had to partner in the need. Do you know that it's maybe true that Mike's family would still be overseas if somebody didn't step in and partner with the need? Listen to this. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork. We are God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. John 15, 16 says, You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that lasts, so that whatever you might ask in my name, the Father will give you. We are, we exist to do good works. Jesus was deliberate about what he tried to set up here on earth, a kingdom where the father's, the king's will would be done. And he does it through us. He does it through us. He, of course he does it through him. We're going to talk about that a little bit in a second, but he does it through us. He does it through his body, the body of Christ. We are the link. We are the link with the people in need to the God who can create, create the breakthrough, who God who can provide the need. We are the link. God is the solution. We are partner God with the obstacle. So there's always obstacles. Who knows there's always obstacles? There's always things to overcome. There's always things to deal with. In this clip that we just saw, there was an obvious obstacle. There was too many people to be able to get the guy inside the room. Sorry, it's just too busy. We just can't get in there. We'll come back tomorrow. Now, what did they do? Because of their faith, their face rose up and they got to know how they did. Well, they climbed a the ladder. They got on another person's roof, busted a hole in it, and lowered this guy down. And Jesus didn't go, hey, mate, what are you doing? That's somebody else's property. You know, the roof can be fixed. But what was impossible needed to happen. And there was an obstacle in the way. And they partnered with God in the obstacle. We are called overcomers for a reason. We by our nature as Christians are overcomers. We by our nature are called to overcome. Listen to this, Matthew 17, 20 says, Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. 
I wonder who that's true for. Who's the you in this story? When do these things start happening? We read these stuff, don't we? Who's it true for if it's not true for you? It's true for you. It's true for me. But we come up against these obstacles and I'm not going to try to speak into your world as what those obstacles might be or how big they might be, but there's not too many bigger obstacles than a mountain. You're called to believe that you can overcome. It's when you believe you can overcome that we might start to see some breakthroughs. Now, I want to say this. You're probably going to have to move a couple of molehills before you move a couple of mountains. You practice on the molehills in your life, eventually you'll move the mountains. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely certain there's some mountains in your world. And I know it's hard. But there's also some molehills, some things that we trip over, some things that probably shouldn't be there. Let's deal with that stuff because God has promised you that you can move mountains. We are called with, to God to deal with and to partner with him in the obstacles. We're called to partner with God against the enemy. Did you notice that in the middle of all of this amazing scene, there was an enemy sitting in the windowsill? Wasn't there? Who do you think you are? You shouldn't be doing that. This is your fault. It's too late. You're not enough. You didn't do enough. Whatever it is that we tell ourselves. In the middle of this is the accuser, the detractor, the doubters, and that's just us. And then we've got our own fear and our own doubt and our own securities to deal with. We have to partner with God against the enemy. This is super important. Jesus didn't let the doubters and his enemies deal with, um, allow him, he didn't shape what was going to happen by what they were saying or what they wanted to see. He'd already set his heart and his mind on what his mission and his focus was. And it was the fact that there was being presented in front of him somebody who was willing to push for obstacles to see something happen. And Jesus, that's what he looks for. He looks for us to be able to partner with him in those things. And he was able to overcome something that can't be overcome. People don't walk once they're paralysed. That never happens. And yet Jesus is the one who gets our hopes up. Do you know that's what hope is? Hope is the promise the gap in between, and the realisation. Someone has got to walk from there to there. And when the enemy from here to here tells you that you can't and you shouldn't and you're not enough and it's too late and he gives you fear and doubt and blah, 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 the Bible says that we're meant to take our thoughts captive and bring it into the obedience of Christ. Have a listen to this scripture. It says in 2 Corinthians 2, uh, 10, 5, sorry, it says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and bring it into obedience of Christ. You know what it's saying? Once we get a promise, the Bible says, I think it's in Hebrews, it says that, we, that through the promises we partake in the divine nature. Anybody know that scripture? Okay. This is what it means. You can't heal people that have broken their back. And yet God gives us a promise that he would heal it and that we can ask for anything in his name and it will be done. That becomes a promise. That becomes divine knowledge. And it says that anything now comes up against that divine knowledge between the promise 
and walking it out until we see the breakthrough. It's our job to take the thoughts captive and bring it into obedience to that divine knowledge. Now, I'm not telling you to believe this. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Because you'll all have a good examples where you've said, yeah, I've tried that. And I'm not here to say that you haven't. But all I'm just telling you is what it means. What it means is that when God says something, it becomes divine knowledge. And then the Bible says that our job is to come against the enemy. It's to take thoughts captive and bring it back into obedience to what he said. Not back into obedience to what we've experienced or what our mate said or the fear or the doubt or all the knocking or all the, all the stuff that comes up in our world to try to knock us off course. Again, I'm not telling you to believe this. I'm just telling you this is what it means. You guys are going to have to decide for yourself because that's what faith is. But what the Bible says is that when the enemy comes knocking on your door and tells you you aren't enough and God says you are, you've got a decision to make. When, when, when the Bible says that, that you can have peace and have it abundantly and you don't have peace, you've got a decision to make because there's divine knowledge that's been fought against. We fight our battles on the molehills of life. Those things that get under our skin, those things that annoy us, those things that aren't what they should be. Now, I know there's a lot of heartache in this room and I know there's a lot of breakthrough in this room. What I'm here to tell you is that Jesus has come to give us a life and life to the full and abundantly. He's come to bring us into the divine nature, the Bible says. He's come to do things that we can't do through us. Divine partnership. But we have to fight and we have to work with God against the enemy. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert, be sober of a sober mind because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. What we're going through, guys, is not uncommon. Fear, doubt, all the things that come against us. But there's something very, very common to us. Where we stand in God. God loves us. He has a plan for us. He has a purpose for us. He's given us promises. He's paid for our sins. He's forgiven our sins. There's nothing, the Bible says, between us and God now. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness. What is it that would stand between us and the promises of God? Nothing, the Bible says. Nothing. Nothing. And so when you feel there's something, you have a decision to make. Here's the divine promise. Here's the walk of hope and faith. I'm praying for a breakthrough. I'm praying for a breakthrough. I'm praying for a breakthrough. I'm not giving up. It's not over yet. God, you're for me, not against me. You forgive me. Lord God, you give me everything I need for life and godliness. You've said, Lord God, that, you, that I don't even know what to pray for so that you'll intercede for me. There's so many promises to get us through from A to B. We partner with God and the Saviour. What we've got to understand is that this is God's idea. We are the body of Christ. He doesn't have a plan B. This is it. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, You are the body of Christ. Each one of you are a part of it. Who doesn't feel worthy or holy enough? Who's made a mistake? Yeah? Do you know that scripture that says that your sins as far as the east is from the west and that he's thrown him into the sea of forgetfulness? 
So when the enemy comes and says, you're not worthy, you're not enough, you don't pray enough. Well, there's a word, like I said, there's that scripture that says that we don't even know what to pray for. That's why Christ intercedes for us. You know, there's another scripture I talk about a lot and it says that, um, that he gives us the power and the desire to do what pleases him. Put up your hand if you just sometimes don't have the desire to read the Bible and to pray. Okay, when the enemy comes at you with that one, you just say, well, Lord, you said you give me the power and the desire to do what pleases you. You see how it protects us? It's a shield. The Bible talks about being a shield. The word of God is a lamp under our path. And it's a shield against the enemy because you aren't worthy. None of us are. But he chose us anyway, a divine partnership. And we have to partner with God, with the Saviour. We need to abide in him. Just so that you know that I don't feel as though this is us-centred. Have a listen to this scripture. John 15 says, I am the vine, as in Jesus. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing of a divine nature. You can go and build an amazing business and be a billionaire and you can, you know, do all of those things. But you can't heal paralytics. You can't overcome tragedy. You can't dig yourself out of some of the messes that we get ourselves in. You can't stop being depressed. You can't stop being oppressed. You can't get over your sin. You can't be better than what you are. But when you abide in Christ, you will bear much fruit. If anyone does abide in me, sorry, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branch is gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. But if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you can ask whatever you will and it will be done for you. But there is a journey. There's the beginning, which is this knowledge, this divine understanding, and there's the partnership in the middle, and then there's the eventual breakthrough. That's what I'm praying for. I'm praying that we are a group of people, that we are a generation that that abides in Christ long enough and says it is not over yet and doesn't hang their hopes on your behaviour and, and your performance, but hangs it on what he said back here when he said that I could do something that I don't feel I can do. But what do I have to do with this? My job is simple. I'm to take every thought captive and bring it back into the obedience to what he said. We are empowered by him. Ephesians 3.20 says that now... To him who is able to do immeasurably more than what we've ever hoped for, asked or imagined, according to his power that is at work within us. His power. We partner with God in the faith. And this is our last point as we close. James 2 says this in speaking about Abraham's faith. We know, don't we, that Abraham was called the father of the faith. James 2.22 says, You see that faith was active along with his works and his faith was combined by his works. Or another version says that his faith was made complete by what he did. James 2.24 says, You see that a person is justified by works, not by faith alone. James 2.16 says, Faith by itself, it is not accompanied by action, is dead. 
listen to this. Romans 10, 17 says, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the Word about Christ. Getting back to this point again. What is it you're hearing? The Bible says that faith comes through hearing the Word. Once you hear the Word, it becomes knowledge. Whose job is it to protect that knowledge once we've heard it? Our job. Our job. It's our job to protect it, to bring it back into the obedience of what was said. Faith comes by hearing. Once we've heard it and we understand it, it becomes knowledge in our lives. Then the enemy's job, guess what his job? His job is to fight you and to steal it. This is what the parable of the soils are about. You remember that? The seed goes into the ground. And it's only the one that protects the seed deep down into the soil and pulls the weeds out and does what they have to do that will bear fruit. Anybody else that's easily picked off, the enemy will take it. He'll come and he'll take your promise. He'll come and take your future. The devil roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Can he devour you? Not if you stand your ground. The Bible says that you might take a stand and then stand firm. What are you standing firm in? His Word. His promises. His promises to you. But I'm not worthy. Neither are we. Nobody is. That's not the point. That's not what we're standing on. That's not our solid ground. That's not the rock. He's the rock. You can't be depressed forever. That's not what the Word says. The Word doesn't say that. The Word doesn't say that we as Christians need to be oppressed and depressed. No, the Bible says that, that, we, that we overcome by the words of our testimony. The Bible says that we overcome by the grace of God, that He gives us power and, 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 and wisdom to overcome things. The Bible is full of promises from what He wants and desires as the King to what He absolutely wants to see in our life. And then the bit in the middle is for us to protect, is for us to be violently protective of it. We're going to finish up. 1 Corinthians 10 says, These things have happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages have come. In that they're talking about the Israelites who were given a promise. Before the Israelites even existed, God was promising them that you will take this promised land. Abraham, there's going to be some trouble. They're going to be... Um, they're going to be are captives for a good amount of time, but I will do this. And by the time the Israelites had the opportunity to break through and to walk in the fullness of their promise, they didn't have faith in their heart and they faltered at the hill. They didn't deal with the molehills in their life. So by the time they got to the mountain to overcome and to break through and to go into the land with milk and honey, they didn't have the strength, they didn't have the faith. Deal with our molehills. Protect the Word of God. And you see what He can do in our lives as we partner with Him. In Jesus' name, Amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, 
head over to thechapelcollective.com.au. And thanks again for listening.